Bibles, just grab them. Uh, we're going to, um, to the book of Ephesians over the past couple of weeks. Um, if you're visiting with us, um, we've been talking about Ephesians for a long time, uh, and we're getting there. We're almost through, but it's a letter that was written to um, a group of churches around this ancient city in Greece called Ephesus, and they would, um, they'd pass this letter around. They'd just read the whole thing through to, to everyone there. Um, we've done it differently. We've taken it kind of slowly and, and worked our way through. Uh, the neat thing is that God kind of preserved the, that letter uh, so that we would, you know, through time, through, through um, all kinds of of persecution and things that would try and get rid of the, um, the, the Bible, the Word of God, he, he found a way to preserve that and find a way that it could be um, translated into languages, every language in the world. The chance that you speaking English could hear it in English today, it wouldn't be talking to you in Greek, and you're like, yeah, I don't get anything. My hope this morning is that you're going to be able to get um, and understand uh, what he's talking about, but that takes Holy Spirit on the inside uh, doing that. So um, the last couple of weeks, we were talking about being intentional about how you walk. Remember we were talking about that, walking around towns and ponds? It's like, look out where you walk. You know, if you walk around towns and there's dog doo-doo everywhere, you've got to watch where you step. It's that same idea um, that he was saying. Hey, watch the way you walk. Watch the way you live. Be intentional about it. Plan that you're going to live a certain way because he says you live in dangerous times. Uh, and so we, we learned that the, the last couple things he's saying, hey, walk in love. So in, in the way you're doing life, let love be the motivating factor. Real love. And then he says, walk in light, which is just saying, find, find out what God's way is to do, to do life, to do marriage, to do families, to be, to be a parent, to, to do business, to how you date. What is God's thought on that? Find out what that way is, and, and then walk in that. And then the last thing we looked at last week was walking in wisdom. And uh, if you can get that uh, message on the podcast if you want, but we talked about having guardrails in your life. About how, you know, the, the goal of our life as a follower of Jesus Christ is, is, is to do life with him. Uh, and sometimes it's like, you know, you're on that path and you know it. You're like, man, God and I, we feel so tight. I'm just like, you know, I know he's there with me. And then other times you got like these things where you're like, you're drifting away. Just like driving, you know, you're driving and then all of a sudden, oh, someone texts you and you're like, oh, okay. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you're, you're up against the side of the road and the rumble strips go off. Or we talked about pylons, you know, maybe that's what you're hitting. Or the guardrails that just say, hey, when you stray away from this, this objective of walking with God, have some guardrails in your life. Have some things that, you know, behavior, like uh, standards of behavior that you're not going to cross. And, and we talked about how they protect you from really dangerous stuff. Uh, can't go into all of that today because we've got more good stuff to talk about. But um, if you missed that one, it'd be a great one to um, check out. It could save your life. So today um, in Ephesians chapter um, 5, we're, we're going to try and finish the chapter this morning. Um, but we're going to talk about marriage uh, today. Uh, yeah, we're going to go right right in there and see what um, God and what uh, Paul said. And some of you are like, oh, I'm done. You know, I'm tuned right out. You know, like, I'm a teenager. What do I have to do? I don't know. I'm not getting married for years and years, you know. Uh, some of you girls, I know you think about it all the time. You have a crush on a guy, and you're like, oh, I bet I can marry him. Right? So, uh, you know, you're like, okay, maybe I could get something out of this. Maybe you're here this morning, and, um, you know, you've, you've, um, you're planning to get married. Well, there's something in it for you. Maybe you're here this morning. You are married. There's definitely something in it for you. Um, maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you tried marriage and, and it didn't work. Uh, and that's one of the things we say as we talk about it. I, I know it's a sensitive um, subject. It's a sensitive topic. And, and uh, we kind of want to walk lightly around that because maybe you've just been brutally hurt by marriage. And you're like, you know, I, I don't know what I believe about that. You know, I believe God has something in it for you this morning. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm like 
a hundred years old, you know, and I, uh, or somewhere in there. I've already been married, done marriage, you know, it was great, and I'm not getting married again. You're like, I don't need any of this. Um, I would encourage you that you probably have children or grandchildren that could really benefit from some of the stuff that God says about marriage. So I, I, I want to encourage you not to tune me out. For those who are married, please don't raise your hands for this, but just inside, you know, how many of you could, uh, could do with a little improvement in your marriage? You'd be, you'd be okay with that. Good, good. All right, um, so uh, I, I see those hands on the inside. But um, for some of you, you're like, you're thinking, man, you know, how long has this guy been married? I'll tell you. I've been married for 10 and a half years to, to my amazing wife, Beth. Uh, it, is, um, it, it is great. Overall, it is a great, great thing. Um, some of you, you've been married longer than I'm alive, and you're just thinking, I ain't taking anything from that rookie. Like, he's got no advice for me, you know. I, he, he could be my kid. Um, I, I want to encourage you with the thought that um, not to take my advice this morning. Um, but just to have kind of ears listening to what Holy Spirit would say to you. Because I believe God wants to talk to every person in this place in some way about this incredible, incredible um, um, topic of marriage. Um, If uh, I encourage people last night, take some notes. Grab that bulletin. There's an open spot on the front. Um, Maybe there's there's three lines for name, email, phone number. You could take some notes in there, uh, the three points or whatever. But the reason I want to encourage you to take this is you may not need it now, but I've found so many times in my life that, you know, when I write stuff down, I remember it longer. And it's funny how those things just show up sometimes when you need them down the road. All of a sudden you find a bulletin from seven years ago and you're like, what? Oh my goodness. God works in ways like that. So I'd encourage you to write some of this stuff down. If you're, if you're planning to get married, you are married, you might get married someday. You have kids or people that you know need to be married, write it down. So why? Why are we talking about marriage? Because marriage is and always has been God's design. Um, it was his idea. This idea of putting two polar opposite people together. Um, we, you know, if, if you ever see that, like at the zoo or anything, wherever, wherever you go, they take creatures that are super different and they keep them apart. Why? Because they're going to kill each other. And it almost seems like, you know, men and women are so, so different. How is it that God's design is to put these two people, these two who think so differently, together into one, um, one life and, and that's supposed to work? Um, I'll tell you that, that the idea behind marriage is that it's a God-designed thing, and things work so much better when you use them for what they're designed for. Have you ever taken something and used it, um, and it was, really wasn't designed for that, and it, it didn't, uh, didn't go out, uh, turn out so well? Um, for those of you way back in the day, some of you, you're adults now, but you were youth back then. We went on a youth missions trip to Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, New York, and we had took some people along there, and there was a garbage can there and a, and a, and a ladder, an extendable ladder. And you know, the extendable ladder is for climbing to higher heights, and the garbage can is for throwing garbage in, and, uh, you know, the trash guy comes and collects it. But our youth had this great idea that they would go to the top of this balcony, put the ladder laying down on, its, on an angle on the stairs, and put a kid in the garbage can, and then send him down the ladder as he's sliding down. Uh, and so you watch, if you, you know, the video's on YouTube, but you watch this kid, and he's going down, and he's, his head's outside the garbage can. It flips, and all of a sudden, he's hitting every rung on the ladder, and it's like just jabbing into his chest and into his neck, and he comes down, and you're like, I hope he lives. You know, I'm glad we got insurance for this trip. But it's... Uh, you, you realize that, you know, when you don't use the ladder or the garbage can for their intended design, it causes pain. And that boy was in, in a, 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 a good amount of pain. Here's the, you know, laughing all the way, though. That's youth for you. But the, the, idea, the idea is this. You use stuff that's designed for something in a way it's not designed for, it often causes incredible pain. Marriage is one of those things. And so many of us, I think every one of us can probably look at a marriage close to us that says, wow, that marriage, man, it's, it, it caused either great pain in their family or maybe it's caused great pain in your life in particular. Um, 
Mark Unger says this, marriage done right is the closest thing to heaven on earth. Marriage done wrong is the closest thing to, you fill in the blank. So, you know, marriage, it's not a guarantee of happiness. For some of you girls, you're dreaming about this wedding and, you know, watching all the movies that say, you know, they got married and lived happily ever after, right? You know what? Marriage is not, not a guarantee of that at all. Um, this week alone, I've had to talk and, uh, with five different people who are just hurting and devastated in their marriages, not sure if, they're even gonna, if their marriage is even going to survive. And it hurts. That's just this week. You know, there's so many of you are like, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, you see marriages that, that just, you know, there, there's not this, not the guarantee. There just is no happiness. Um, you know, it's not a guarantee, but I, I can say this. Two people who are committed and covenanted to one another and to God, there is, they have, you know, that union uh, with him and each other. They have the opportunity, not a guarantee, but the opportunity to experience an incredible relationship that God designed. And I want to encourage you with that. Um, you know, many, many of you kind of, you probably know this song. Um, it goes like this. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a... I'll tell you now, my brother, you can't have one without the... Yeah, see, see, you know that. Frank Sinatra, thanks, thanks to him for that. I, uh, for those, now we know how old you are, right? But whoever listened to Frank. But for, for, for that generation, maybe that's where you heard it. I didn't learn that song that, that way. I, I learned that song by watching a show I wasn't allowed to watch called Married with Children. Uh, if, you, uh, if you were back in the 90s or whatever, there was a show called Married with Children that talked about love and marriage at the beginning and then showed you everything but... Uh, during the show. And that was entertaining for, for people. They'd watch Al Bundy, you know, with his wife Peg, and he's just a, you know, a terrible kind of deadbeat husband. And um, you just saw, you know, every, every week you could watch these uh, people who have no love in their marriage at all. And uh, it was kind of this, this entertaining um, thought. Well, now, you know, we got modern family, and we got other things that try and, you know, change what, um, what the idea of marriage looks like and just kind of shows different, different thoughts on, on marriage. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's actually great debates right now on what marriage really is. What is marriage anyways? You know, it's interesting because people would say, you know, marriage is, hey, any two people who love each other, they can be married. That's, you know, that's a marriage. We've got legal fights in our, in our, in our um, country for who can be, you know, married. Uh, we've got people that live together and they call their, their, their other person their husband or their wife. And so it sounds like they're married. But, you know, there's this, there's this, this um, debate about that. Uh, this idea of what marriage really, um, really is. What I want to say today, and I want you to hear me very, very clearly, because if you miss this, the rest of this stuff, you're going to take it wrong. I want to say this. We want to look today at what God's design for marriage was, what his design for it was. Ephesians was written to followers of Jesus Christ. So today, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't need to take any of the stuff I'm saying at all. You don't. If you're like, I'm just kind of checking it out. I'm kind of thinking about this, this whole thought, but you haven't committed your life to following Jesus Christ, then don't worry about this. Um, but what I'm saying is Ephesians was written to followers of Jesus Christ. So if you do, if you're here this morning, you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then this is what he calls your marriage to look like. This is what he calls your relationships to look like. This is what he calls you to live like in a relationship. You know, we have so many churches, so many Christians who decide, you know, with the, with the, the um, homosexual or gay agenda that, you know, that they, they get all up in arms. And they want to be like, oh, you know, they, 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 we see them on television. We see, you know, people getting sued because they're saying stuff about, well, that's not whatever. Just a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, a guy got drafted in the, um, in the NFL. 
and he's the first openly gay player to be drafted in the, uh, into the National Football League. And, you know, there's another guy, a Christian guy, who, who puts up on his tweet, you know, my faith can't accept that. And big uproar, and he got a big fine, and he deserved it. Um, here's why. Because what the Bible says about all this kind of stuff is that these things that we're about to talk about are written to followers of Jesus Christ. We are allowed to talk about what marriage should look like in a church with followers of Jesus Christ. What we're not to do, and, and, and for all of us, he, he, you know, he said, you're not to judge those who are outside. Uh, the church is so um, known for being judgmental over you know, everyone who never, ever signed up for the rules or the things or the guidelines that the Bible talks about. If a person hasn't signed up to be a follower of Jesus Christ, they have no obligation or no reason to live under those, uh, under those things. So I want to say as a church, for us, it's the encouragement to followers of Jesus Christ today. But don't judge those who, aren't, um, who don't follow. Don't feel like, you know, in my workplace, they're like this. And they're like, they don't know Jesus Christ. Of course they're going to live like that. Do you get what I'm saying? We judge, the, the, the judging uh, part of things can get so messed up. So as we're talking about marriage today, I'm not talking about all the things I feel like, hey, that's wrong marriage, that's wrong marriage, that's wrong marriage. All we want to do is look at what Jesus said. Hey, this is, what, this is what marriage looks like. One man, one woman, committed to one another, covenanted with one another for as long as their lives shall last. That's what his idea was of marriage, and here's why. In Ephesians 5, 20, um, 32, we'll see it in a little bit, that Jesus, through Paul, is saying that, that marriage is a picture of him and the church him and you. We had a wedding here yesterday, and we say that, you know, when the, the bride and groom stand up here, and they say their vows to one another. That whole idea, even though it, it looks different in North America, that was God's idea. That God's not way out there somewhere, you know, where you like pray to him, God, 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 where are you? You, 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 are you listening to me? Me, me. No. He's right here. All of Ephesians, he's like, I want to do life with you together, so close that it's like, it's like the perfect marriage. Not like the ones we see around us, but the perfect marriage of two people who genuinely love each other, going through the highs, the lows, you know, the joys and the sorrows, but they're doing it together. That's what God wants to have with you. That's the whole idea. So when he created this thing called marriage, no wonder it gets so attacked because it is a picture of that. Um, the idea, though, is that, you know, Christ in the church is the model for every marriage. Not just that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, but the opposite is, is, is true as well. So today, the stuff that we're looking at, this passage that we're about to just study, and I know that's probably the longest intro ever. Don't worry, the rest of it is not, uh, it's much quicker. But, the, but the, the thought behind all of it is that this is all about Christ's love for the church. And who's the church? You are. You are. He's not in love with this building. He's not in love with this crowd. He's in love with you as a person. And he's saying, hey, to see, to see, that, to see that happen. So Ephesians chapter 5, as it talks about, about that, there's also some great thoughts in there about marriage for us. And it says in verse um, 20, we never start here. We always start, you know, every wedding, they always start a little bit further because that's where they broke it up. But it says in verse 20, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this attitude of thankfulness is probably, you know, the number one thing that, um, that, that stops happening in a marriage before it goes bad. Is they forget to be thankful for the person that they get to share life with. All they can focus on is all the negative things, the things that drive you crazy. You know, you love that they were spontaneous, and now you hate that they're irresponsible. You love that they had, you know, all the stuff kind of, they were very, you know, orderly, but now they're controlling, right? It just drives, it's the same stuff, but now it drives you nuts. And you forget to be thankful for, for what, um, what you have, the person you get to, to live life with. You know, I would encourage you, um, if you're married here in this place, to start writing just a list of the things that you're thankful for. And some of you are like, ugh. 
I'm thankful he brings home money. That's about, you know, as far as, start there. But there's other things, I'm sure of it, but you probably can't think of them. Uh, But as you sit down and begin to write them down, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that person, you know what? They are pretty amazing. And that those feelings start to return. Why? He says, just be thankful, thankful for everything. And then he says, in verse 21, and further, so on top of all the stuff that we've talked about, be intentional about how you walk, be intentional about this. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That word submit drives people nuts, right? They're like, oh, there's got to be a different Greek word. You know, it's got to mean something else than submit. That just, oh, it's so like, like 1900s, right? Like this is, for, forget this stuff. Um, but the word submit, you notice that he starts out, how many of you have always heard, you know, wives submit to your husbands? All the wives? Yes, I've heard that. Right. So um, the, the, the idea was that he had a verse right before it that said, hey, submit to one another. Not just as um, husbands and wives, but it's as a whole group of people. This idea of yielding to one another, this idea of living life opposite of our culture, which is like me first. It's all about me, me, me. This idea of, hey, it's about you. So how do, how do, I, how do I look at you as having more priority than me? How do I look at what you want as being more important than what I have? And, and this is the idea. He said, hey, if you would yield to one another, it's going to help a whole lot of relationships just by simply doing that. What does it look like? Um, it would, did you ever, like in grade school, do the three-legged race? No? High school? You know, last week? You know, the, the, where they tie two people together. It doesn't matter what size you are. I've seen, like, you know, big, tall people with little kids, and they tie the legs together, and they start running, right? It's this race. The trick to a three-legged race is not whoever has, you know, the, the longest legs that they're going to win. It's the idea of matching strides with the other person. Finding out, you know, okay, the, if we both walk at this step, this is going to be the best way for us to walk. That's that whole idea of yielding, saying, okay, I'm married to this person who is so different than me, and I can't stand it. I'm trying to go here, and they just don't get it. It's that idea of saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to yield to them. So what, God, you've put them, you've put us together. There's this thing of where we're, we're sometimes it's like the gears are grinding, but we're here together to do something together. And it's that idea of saying, okay, let's figure out how to match strides with one another. Um, you know what? Um, uh, if you're dating, the idea, you know, is that you, you start looking for that before. Don't just look at how good looking he is or, oh, he has a car. They break down. You know, the, this, there's this idea of, is he going in the same direction as me? You know, he's like, I just want to live in a cardboard box, you know, and take handouts. I don't want to have a job. And she's like, and I want a mansion and a walk-in closet and a white picket fence. You're in for disaster if you stay with that guy because he's good looking and has a car. Begin to think about the ideas of matching strides and yielding to one another. You know, it says this, yield to one another out of reverence for God. Just a simple idea of, again, saying to believers, do this not because that person is so great, but because you have this relationship and respect for God. Because he's the only one who gives it that strength. Some of you, like, you, you hear that, hey, you know, yield to the other person. Yeah, but, you know what, they're not meeting my needs. And he's like, you know what, yield to that person. Yeah, but I just don't have any feelings of love for them anymore. You just don't, hey, you know, it's gone. And he's saying, you know what, out of respect, out of respect for God, it's this idea of, of yielding to the other person. If you're dating, Ask yourself this question. Does the person that I'm interested in, do they love God more than they love me? As a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to ask that question. You know why? Because there's going to be days when they don't love you and they don't even like you. And you're going to want a person who loves God enough to say, you know what? I'm sick of this person and I want to cheat. But because I love him, 
because I got a relationship with God. Holy Spirit on the inside says, no, you don't. You know that's going to be worse for you. Okay, God, but I don't like it very much. He's going to be just drawing and working in them, continuing to work in them. You want somebody like that. Some of you are like, I wish I'd heard that before I got married. Uh, we have stuff for you in a minute. But um, dating, oh man, if you do dating with wisdom instead of just with feelings, you would be so much further ahead. Uh, all the married people would say, uh-huh, uh-huh, it's not just me. Um, you know, find out what God's way is for marriage and walk in it. And then he says this, Ephesians 5 verse 22. So here's, here's where we go. It says, so for wives, um, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. He's a savior of his body, the church. And the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Husbands, this is not a good time to elbow your wife and say, honey, listen up, right? So I'm, or, or be thinking, oh, I'm so glad she's here today. I've just, I, I knew she needed to hear this. I'm just going to tell all the men right now, just go to your nothing box for a few minutes. And I'll wake you up in a second. Um, for those who don't know what that is, every man has one. It's this thing where they just don't think about anything. They just, they just, go there. That's why they love fishing, right? It's brainless. I'm a man. I love fishing. It's serious. It's a good, good place. Just go there. So, well, wives, wives, it's what he's saying to you. He's saying, you know, um, love or, or submit to your husbands um, uh, uh, as to the Lord. It's this, this thought of saying, you know what, it's not this thing of being, you know, under control or whatever. That, the word submit is talking about a voluntary attitude. It's not a controlled thing. It's this idea of, you know what, as a, as a wife, it's a voluntary attitude of cooperation and support. Um, this thought of saying, you know what, um, I, uh, uh, because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to do my best to make this work. So it becomes this thing of, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but it's that voluntary attitude of saying, it, it's the stuff that's going on between, between the ears that says, I realize that this is more like a, a soccer game than a golf match. It's more about teamwork and working together than it is about me getting my own way. Uh, it's, it's never been a thing of, of ownership or submission. You'll see that in a second, but he says, hey, the church, it yields to Jesus Christ. That's the, the, the picture that he says, we don't just do whatever we want to do. It's, it's his church. God, how are you leading us? That's what we want to know. And it's the same thing for, for wives saying, okay, God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, look to this, to this other person in my life with this idea of voluntary cooperation. I'm yielding to them. The, uh, you say, wow, you don't know my husband. We're getting to him. We'll wake him up in a second. But the idea is that there's just that, that voluntary attitude of support. Then in Ephesians 5, um, verse... Uh, Verse 25, this is for the husbands. You can come back now. It says, um, Ephesians 5, verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives. Love your wives. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. He kind of puts this thought on there, and wives are like, see, I told you, don't elbow them. Don't even, you know, think, yeah, oh, it's so, I'm so glad that, the, you know, they're, they're hearing this. But it's this idea, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What does it look like when Christ loved the church? She's like, oh, you know, this mean I got to buy her flowers. That's like cost a lot of money, you know. Do I got to take her out on a date? Like, ah, uh, you just, you know, that was like back in the day. I got her now. You know, I don't need to do any of that anymore. Uh, it's, it's this thought. He says, hey, you know what? This thing looks so much bigger. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. It, it's, it's this thought of um, where he says he gave up his life for her. He laid down his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. He talks about Jesus, just his passionate love for the church, that he is willing to do, to do anything. The word love here is the word agapo. And you're like, okay, who, agapo is a Greek word that I don't need to know. 
The only reason I want to challenge you with the word uh, agapo is that it's a verb of the, of the form of the noun word called agape. And you're like, okay, so I know two Greek words. Sweet, I learned something. The idea behind agape is that it says that God is agape. And in first, it, God is love. It's, it's his kind of love that he's challenging husbands to love their wives with. And he says in, you know, in, in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. There was some action tied to that, that, that emotion. It's more than just an emotion. It was action. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, describes what that love looks like. Love's patient when she's always late. You know, love's kind. And you know what kindness is? Kindness is on the tongue. It's the words you say when she, you know, backs the car into the garage door. It's the, it's the, the words, the, the, the being not proud. Men, we have such a, an issue sometimes with this thing of being so proud. We got it. We can handle it. We're not doing that. We're, we're uh, whatever. But he says, you know, love, that, that choosing to love, it's not irritable. Man, how far would that go in so many marriages if you just chose not to be irritable? Keeps no record of wrongs. Not storing up, you know, I do, when I'm just marriage counseling people, it's amazing at how far back you can remember, you know, the negative things and how hard it is to write down those things to be thankful for. It's like you remember stuff from, like, you know, your honeymoon. And you're just like, yeah, next fight and bring that up. You don't say that, but you, plan, you do it. These thoughts of saying, you know, keeping no record of wrongs. Ah, that doesn't feel great. I know, but that's what love is all about. Be- um, Ruth Bell Graham was married to Billy Graham. She said this, marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Why? Because they're not going to get it all right. And you're not doing this because they're such a great person. You're doing this, you know, not because she's such an amazing wife, but simply because, you know, that's what he's called us to do. That's what he's um, asked us to do. In verse 26 and 27, it it says this. um, He loved the church. He laid down his life for her to make her holy and clean. He washed her by the cleansing of God's word, which is fantastic when you think about that, just the celebration of the fact that he's, he's washed us clean. Um, it says he did this to present um, her to himself as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. You know, it talks about this idea of laying down your life that's not, you know, getting, dealing with selfishness in our lives. And that goes on both ways. You know, when you get married, selfishness gets tested big time. You know, if you're a selfish person, you get married, that's when you find out. Uh, when I got married, I, I, I had no idea how selfish I was. And yet, you know, being married to someone else, is like, oh, I got to think about them. I never wanted to have children. Uh, and I decided not to tell her that until we were married. And then we, you know, and she's like, What? You don't want to have children? I was like, no, they're a pain, you know. They just wreck everything, you know. They're, I just, I'm not good with kids. I might die and they won't have a dad, you know. I, I just don't want to do that to them. And she's like, you're weird. Why did I marry you? And I was like, too, but too late, you know. It's, I, I don't mind trying to have kids, but we're not having any, right? That was kind of my thought. But she said, she said um, you know, this was something she was so passionate about. And so as we, as we talked about it, I realized, you know what? There's something that I, I need to yield to. And man, I'm so glad we did. I was good to have two Somehow we had four. But, uh, you know, this, this idea of yielding to someone else, it became, it, it, it comes to the forefront. Selfishness may look very different in your, in your situation, but I'm guaranteeing it's there. It gets tested every single time to say, can I put the other person above myself? Selfishness gets even more tested when children come because they just don't understand boundaries at all. It's all about them, right? It's like, 
dad, 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 watch, dad, dad, I need this. Dad, are you working today? Yeah, okay, I'm coming in. You know, I'm working in the office. I'm, oh. You know, it's like that, that craziness, but they test selfishness. Will I put someone else's feelings and thoughts over my own? Um, that's the, 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 the idea that he's saying here, but Paul's just brilliant because he knows that people are selfish, and he says this. All right, so you want to be selfish. You want it to go really good for you. Here's how it goes really good for you. He says, treat her really well. Because if you put her first, it's better for you. He even says, even to a selfish person, that idea of this still works. And then the last couple of verses, he, he, he um, ends it with this. He says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother. And he's quoting Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. Um, it says, a man leaves his, um, his father and mother. And he's joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That word, um, that word love is that word choosing to love, that agapo, that verb, that thing that you can see the love in action. And the other word there, respect, is actually the word fear. And I don't know why I wrote that. I can't, I can't say, you know, exactly what, that, what that's all about. But the, um, it, it was never meant to be this thing of one man controlling uh, another person, ever. Because the whole idea of Ephesians was unity. So in this idea of, you know, this uh, loving and respecting and uh, putting the other person ahead of yourself was this idea of you would experience unity that Christ desires with his church, that we're so close that, like we've learned, he's in us, we're in him. All of the stuff that we have because of that, he's saying marriage, it should and could look like that. You know, as you live out your life saying, okay, I'm walking this, this life out with Jesus Christ, you know, me and Jesus together, living life, going through tough stuff, but we're doing it together, you know, working in a really tough environment, but okay, God, I hear what you're saying. All right, I'll step out and tell that big burly guy, you know, that I'm trying to wear Jesus. That's so weird. But stepping out and doing it and watching what God does, that idea is saying, hey, that, that's, what, that's what your marriage could look like. That last verse, he just said, you know what? I'm leaving you with this. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, you know, submit or respect your husbands. Um, the, the thought there is this, that he never said if and then in any of this. My challenge to you is to live your own verse. You know, some, some of you here, you're like, yeah, my wife really needed that. No, no, she probably, maybe she did, but you needed something. You know, maybe you're like, oh, my husband, I wish, you know, he's listening to, I'm, I'm getting a CD of this because he's got to hear that. Uh, it's the thought of, you know, live, live your own verse. What's he saying to you? Um, the, 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 there is no if and then in here. Like, you know, if he does that, well, then I'll do this. If she does that, then I'll do this. You know, if, if he really works on things, then I'm willing to, you know, stick around. The idea is that it's God's kind of love. You know, what would it have been like if Jesus had come to the planet and said, okay, well, if they stop sinning, then I'm going to lay down my life for them. If they get their act together, then I'll give my life on the, on the cross for them. He, he never said any of that. He just simply loved. He just simply knew that we would need him. He just simply knew that he wanted that close relationship with each and every one of you. He says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lay down my life for him. So today, as we celebrate communion, um, I want you to think of his thoughts. He's the one who loves you, absolutely loves you, and wants to do life with you. He gave his life for you. He's the hope in every hopeless situation. He's the restorer of relationships. He's the healer of in incredibly deep wounds. And he's the one that sticks closer than a brother. For some of you, you're sitting here and going, well, Mark, that's great. That's kind of like this utopian thought of, hey, this is what marriage can be, but I, my life is, is really messed up right now. Some of you have gone through divorce. We're not anti-divorce. We're pro-marriage. 
but I understand that it affects a, a lot of you here. Some of you are thinking, does this, you know, now that we learn this, does that guarantee that a marriage is going to work? Even if husband and wife are both here and listening to it, does it guarantee that it's going to work? No. You know why? Because you're with, you're with two, two people, two people who have freedom of choice, freedom to make decisions and, and live the consequences of those decisions. And sometimes they affect other people, and usually they do. My challenge for you this morning is that if you, you're faithful to what God has called you to do, if you obey what he says, what he said to you today, not what I said, which you just felt in your heart saying, yeah, okay, I feel that <clears throat> on the inside, that thought of, okay, God, I know what you're asking me to do. If you would live that out, I promise you that he'll be faithful to you through it. Whether marriage survives it or not, whether any of that stuff, he says, hey, this is what it could be. But just realizing that in our culture and the way things are, the, the best thing for you is still in living that thing out. The only opportunity for it to happen is for you to live your own verse. Uh, we have, Charlie's going to come up and share a little bit. We're going to take communion together, thinking about it, because really the ultimate spot of this whole thing was the idea to restore what marriage really looks like, to, to give a chance for people to say, oh, you know what, let's see marriage in a whole different light, that it's, that it's two people committed to one another, committed to God, can enjoy an incredible, incredibly close relationship.